your horse training questions answered. Answered. Welcome to the Carson James Podcast, your weekly boost of horsemanship. No jargon, no fluff, and no BS. Just natural, proven solutions that work. And now, here's Carson James. All right, welcome to the podcast, and this one might actually be pretty short, but it's a good question, and it's a really common question, and it's about, should I keep my horse in a stall, or should I pasture him? So we'll talk about that for just a minute. Now, before we get into this, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning a lot of people don't have the luxury of being able to let their horse have 24-hour free grazing on a big pasture. So with that in mind... Let's get started, and we'll talk about some things at the end that you can still do that can help, uh, even if you don't have that luxury of unlimited turnout. So, the first thing to think about is what a horse actually is and how they would be in their natural herd environment. So, a horse in a natural environment is going to travel, you know, an average of 15 miles a day, and they're going to spend around the same amount or 15 hours a day grazing so when we put them in a stall and we give them you know like grain and things that they wouldn't necessarily have in the in the natural environment there's always going to be side effects to that uh, from ulcers behavioral problems cribbing weaving wind sucking colic any of that kind of stuff so a horse having uh, as much unlimited freedom of movement as possible is kind of one of the biggest things to their well-being. So the movement, it uh, it's not only good for their minds, but it also helps digestion. And it allows them to have physical contact with other horses. And this is a basic essential need. You know, they are supposed to have that. So not only that, being out in a pasture allows them to keep their joints loose, stretch their muscles, uh, build their skeleton up really strong. And the older horses will also do a whole lot of your groundwork for you as far as getting the young ones to where they understand what boundaries are and yielding to pressure and all that is actually something that exists. Uh, one time, one time this lady sent me this little stud colt and he was extremely full of himself and I only had time to do one round pin session with him and then I had to leave for the weekend. So I just put him in there to kind of see what he would do and he uh he had a lot going on. He he wasn't very humble about anything, let's put it that way. So I turned him out with all the other older horses and left for the weekend. Then I got back on Monday, brought him back in the pen. He was a whole different horse after that. Like from that day on, uh, even after I had him started and riding him around, you would have sworn that he was a gelding. So that's probably my own personal biggest story of noticing a benefit in that. Uh, now, when you, you know, when you turn a bunch of horses out, especially if it's a new horse, they will nitpick and fight and things like that. And a good way, you know, kind of a good rule of thumb for that is, is they're always going to nitpick and fight and be horses. That's kind of what they do. That's how they establish the 
pecking order, they're supposed to do those things. But, you know, if you're like, if you're having major injuries, like anything besides just scratches and some bite marks and stuff like that, then you might have to separate them. So like, if you're having to call the vet out every other week, then you may have to separate them, but try not to give them, you know, a little bit of time to work it out. And normally they will get that worked out and then everything will be fine and it'll be better for them in the long run. Uh, and this isn't a scientific fact. This is just what I've personally observed. I have known more horses to get injuries from being separated than I have from horses being together. Now, if you do run all your horses together, uh, it's a good idea to not have like a alleyway or anything like that. So where they, where the dominant horse could not trap another horse and, you know, beat up on him. So, uh, try to eliminate any kind of areas where they could completely corner another one. Uh, so if you do have to keep your horse in a stall, a lot of the times experimenting with a more hay, less, uh, grain kind of approach, or maybe you don't feed grain. If you give them alfalfa, maybe do alfalfa in the mornings and, uh, like coastal hay in the evenings or something like that. So try to keep the starches and sugar and the energy as low as you can without the horse losing weight. So a lot of the reason horses have all these goofy things going on, well, not a lot, uh, but a large amount of the reason they have these things going on that we don't really desire is uh, they did a study and it turns out like 80% or I think it was even higher than that of domesticated horses take in more energy than they put out on a daily basis. So this very easily gets to be like giving a, a kindergartner three cups of coffee and then expecting him to be good in school and sit down and pay attention and not be distracted and things like that. So, uh, you know, look at your feeding regimen. Keep that in mind. Anything you can do to promote uh, actively engaging something. So like, you know, those little rubber balls that you can tie into the stall for them to play with. Uh, mineral block, you know, something, something like that. Uh, it's, and I, there was an equine dentist that told me about this and I thought it was really interesting. So when you feed your horse, if you can have them eating out of a pan or like a tub on the ground or either a really, really low bucket, because they're designed to eat grass, you know, they're, they're supposed to have their neck and their head and their jaws at a certain angle when they eat. So even feeding them, having them eat at an above ground level is something that kind of requires the dentist to come out more often. So basically the moral of the story is, is the closer you can simulate a natural living environment, the less side effects and the better off they are going to be. So their remember their their needs and the way they do things are a lot different from ours. It's natural human tendency to try to do what we think a human would need. And that's kind of ran off into the mainstream society of how to care for horses. 
And a lot of the times that ends up hurting them more than helping them. Uh, University of Colorado did a study a while back and uh, turns out that you don't want to blanket your horse unless he's like really, really old and thin or mostly if it's like you wouldn't believe how low the temperature has to get before you're actually supposed to blanket one. I think it was like 10 degrees or something like that. Uh, you can look into the study. We actually even have a article on that somewhere, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, the blanketing them when they don't need it, it actually affects their metabolism and it affects their ability for their hair follicles to swell up and condense depending on the temperature. So that's kind of a interesting deal too. So, uh, the thing about the stalls are it, it confines them and it takes away their, the ability that they are wired to have to move around and roam freely. This can also cause, uh, anxiety. It'll impede their digestive system. Uh, you know, and like we mentioned earlier, it's the, it's what causes weaving, pacing, cribbing, and other compulsive, uh, behaviors like that. Uh, so just kind of keep all of that in mind. And we realize you may not have the luxury to do the turnout deal, but, uh, just try to try to get creative and start trying to see what you can do to allow his living environment to simulate what it would be if he was like a horse living out in the wild. And that is going to give you the, the best uh, possible outcome for his mentality, his health and digestive system, all that stuff. So be careful that you don't love your horse to death. That was a that was a quote that I heard a while back, and basically what that is saying is just uh, always keep in mind that, generally speaking, we hinder their health more than we help it. Uh, not not in every way. I mean, kind of kind of take that for what it's worth. But it's it's a good thing to keep in mind when you're trying to, you know, obviously do abs the absolute best you can for your horse. So I hope that helps everybody out and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Carson James podcast, real simple horsemanship. Subscribe now to get new questions answered every week. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, drop us a review and share it with your horsey friends. 